Well, I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad I can be here with you. It's the Graceway Sunday School Hour for November 26th. Uh, happy holidays. Man, they are right here upon us and we pray that you will have a wonderful time. Your family will enjoy it. Your kids and grandkids will enjoy it and that you will enjoy it with the joy of the Lord. We sing a lot at Christmas time about joy to the world and yet people have so much stress so much anger, so much hostility, so much disappointment, and uh, all of that. That's what you get in the world. But if you will focus upon Christ and think about His love and His redemption and the reason that He came, the world may acknowledge that He came, at least to some degree, but they don't always understand why He came. He came to be the sacrifice for our sins on the cross. And so we have joy in that, and we want to spread that joy. And uh, as we get ready to go into December, it's a busy month. Pray for the choir and pray for our orchestra and pray for Brother Dale and the Christmas musical that they're going to perform. Our candlelight Lord's Supper is during December. There'll be all kinds of Christmas fellowships in December that we bond together and have a good time together. Nothing wrong with that. But let's do it all for the glory of the Lord. Christmas Eve is on a Sunday this year. And so uh, we'll be having both a Sunday morning service and a Sunday evening service. We're going to have a Christmas Eve service that we want to invite you and your friends and your family members and members of our community to come as well because we'll be uh, hearing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and it'll be real traditional and uh, we'll sing traditional Christmas carols and have some candlelight and things like that and just a time to focus upon the why. That's what people don't understand. The why that Jesus came and it'll be a great time together. We've never done a Christmas Eve service before, but uh, we're going to give it a whirl and our prayer is that God will be glorified, lost people will hear the gospel, and we pray that you will enjoy it as well, that it'll be a blessing to your life. So back to the lesson, thinking about November 26th of 2023. Walking in the Spirit... What does that mean? Blessing and hope in the gospel. Where do you look for blessing? Where do you go for hope? Well, our world is so confused and so mixed up about all of that. They think that blessing is going to be found in them being who they want to be and doing what they want to do, when they want to do it, and how they want to do it. And Oh, they're so confused. And it doesn't bring blessing. It brings heartache to them. It brings pain. It brings uh, depression and disappointment to them. And I don't gloat in that. And I hope you don't either. We should never look and say, good enough for you. We should look at them and say, there but for the grace of God go I. How can I help? How can I minister? How can I serve? And our first reaction when we see someone in sin should be to pray for them rather than to judge them or condemn them or be harsh toward them because... Uh, that's what grace really is all about. And so uh, we uh, think of what the world is looking for and said, this will be what I really need. This will help. This will bless me. And the sad thing is it, it, it doesn't happen. And uh, that, that is, is awful. And what does it do? It destroys their hope. And that's why so many people, they just want to die. And they have no hope in the afterlife. And I feel really bad for them because if they are successful then they go to hell for an eternity. Now, let me clear up something. Suicide does not send you to hell. Being lost sends you to hell, okay? 
And um, can you imagine thinking, I'm going to take my life because I just want peace and I want it all to be over. And then they get anything but peace because they're looking in the wrong place. Back in not about 1980, remember the urban cowboy movement and all of that? And remember Johnny Lee saying, looking for love in all the wrong places? You're singing it, aren't you? And uh, I think that could be said about a lot of things in the world today. Looking for hope in all the wrong places. Looking for peace in all the wrong places. A bottle of pills won't bring you peace. It may numb you out, but it won't bring you peace. Alcohol won't bring you peace. And in fact, it causes a whole lot more turmoil than it does anything else. While you're buzzed, you may say something you never would have said when you weren't. Think about all of the drunk drivers who would never kill anybody purposely or anything like that, but look, look now because of alcohol. I mean, there are so many things that people say because they're not filtered anymore and they can't take it back. And actions, some people do things simply because they were drunk or close to it. And if they had been sober-minded, they never would have done that. And all kinds of things come out of those things because the world looks in all the wrong places. Everybody's looking for security and everybody's looking for significance. I don't care who you are. And that's not wrong and that's not horrible. It's where you look. Where are you going to look? What do you think is going to make you significant? You can run for president and still feel insignificant. You can uh, think that you're going to be secure if you had all the money in the world and you still wouldn't be secure. You'd be afraid somebody is going to take it from you or something like that. We have to find it in the Lord. And so uh, walking in the Spirit is going to give us blessing and hope in the gospel. I used to think I didn't need the gospel after I got saved. That's for lost people. That's for baby Christians or something. But I found out I need the gospel every day and the gospel reminds me of my hope. Now let's look at Galatians chapter 6, 16 through 18. And remember this, no matter what persecution may come, believers are secure in Christ. It's not how you feel. It's not what your circumstances are. It's the promise that God made. And no matter what assaults are belched out of hell against the gospel or against the Bible itself, our God reigns and there's no need for us to fear. And we can endure any hardship as Paul did and we can live in blessing and assurance regardless of our circumstances. We're so busy to want circumstances to change. And God sa says, I want you to go above your circumstances. I was flying in a plane one time and uh, we had thunderstorms come up. You know what the pilot told us? Uh, we're going to go above the storm. And we went above the storm and everything calmed out. And uh, we could actually look out the window and look down on the storm and see lightning flashing and the dark clouds and all of that. And uh, that's the way the Lord wants us to live. It's not that the circumstances are not real. It's not that they don't exist. It's not that they're not painful and sorrowful and hurtful. It's that we have the ability to fly above them and we can rise above where we are by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's read our text. Galatians 6, 16. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one trouble me, 
For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And thus concludes the book of Galatians. And there we go from dealing with people that had disappointed Paul, who had become hostile to Paul because they were listening to people that were selfishly imposing a ritual upon them, saying you cannot be saved without this. And as we saw last week, they were doing it for their, themselves, not for the glory of God. And Paul ends this book so very beautiful. I mean, these words uh, are amazing. Brethren... The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Now, if grace and the gospel were just for baby Christians or for the lost, well, why do they need it now? Well, let's explore that. Number one, walking in the spirit always is gospel-centered. Always is gospel-centered. In other words, you'll find out that as you grow in the Lord, you never get away from the cross. You never get away from the empty tomb. You never get away from the sacrifice that Christ made for you. You never get away from the fact that your sins have been paid for fully and atoned by the Lord Jesus Christ who bore the wrath of God in His own body in your place. How can you not be happy about that? How can you not be thankful about that? How can you not be grateful about that? That's what God did for you according to verse 16. And as many as walk according to this rule, and you remember that this refers back to verse 15, being born again, being a new creature in Christ by faith instead of rituals or human effort or just mere discipline. This is talking about transformation. You're new, new creature in Christ. You're a, a being that has never existed before. You are brand new. You're different than fallen Adam. You're different than the animals. You're different than the religionist. You're different than the moralist. You're different than all of them because you have been transformed and you are new. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 12. We present ourselves, our bodies, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, our spiritual service of worship. What else can we do? And then we're not to be conformed to the squeezing pressure, the mold of this world, not conformed, but transformed. Metamorphe is the Greek word. We get our word metamorphosis from it. From the inside out, the butterfly comes out of the cocoon, out of the cocoon, and uh, the caterpillar is changed by what's inside of him. And that's the word Paul uses to describe this. It's transformation that we want. Now I want you to think about back in 1517 there was a Catholic monk named Martin Luther and uh, he read through the book of Galatians and the book of Romans and he was so impacted by the just shall live by faith. The just are those who are right with God and they live by faith, not by performance, not by rituals, not by anything else. And he nailed onto the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany at the chapel there where he preached, I believe he was an Augustinian monk, 95 points of clarification and contention against the church. The only church then was the Roman Catholic Church. And he launched the Reformation 
because he was clarifying the gospel. It's by faith, not by works, not by rituals. And it's got to be based upon these things. And I've got them written for you here. And the Reformation that changed the world, swept through the world and is still having an effect today, said this. Sola gratia, grace only. Sola fide, faith only. Sola scriptura, scripture only. And soli deo gloria, only for the glory of God, or solus Christus, actually, uh, only Christ. Now, what was, he, what was the point that they were making? Well, they had been taught that, yes, take the death of Christ, he died on the cross for you, but keep these other traditions of the church, these other rituals of the church, and you must have them all done. And even when you die, you've got to have last rites and the proper burial and all of those kind of things in order to be acceptable to God. And you're probably not going to be perfect in it, so you're going to have to go to purgatory for a while and suffer and burn those things off. Purgatory has purge at the, at the front of it, P-U-R-G. And uh, that's what they believe and what they think. You've got to go there, burn off the rest of your sins, uh, what hasn't been fully atoned for, and then you can go to heaven. So justification to them is not done by Christ, and it's not done by the works of Christ, but it's a cooperative effort and it's a process. You're justified over a period of time by what you do, what you experience, and what you go through. Well, Martin Luther read through the Bible and he found out, no, justification is done by God. In an instant, you're made right with God. And you're acceptable to God. And it's done by Him. Okay? And that's what these four solas are about. And uh, so... The Roman Catholics would have other things, pray to Mary, pray to this God, the God of travelers, the God of whatever, or the saint of whatever. I said that wrong, I'm sorry. And um, where do we find that? Well, the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, and it's not a priest, and it's not a dead saint, right? It's the man, Christ Jesus. So what do we do? Go by the tradition of the church? No, Sola Scriptura, we go by Scripture and Scripture alone. So grace alone, God's unmerited favor. Faith alone, not by our works or our rituals. Scripture alone, exactly what it says, and by Christ alone. We don't want to add anything else. The Judaizers were adding circumcision to what Christ did, and Paul said they were making the cross of Christ of no effect. We don't ever want to do that. All the glory goes to Him, and salvation is by Him alone. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, where is baptism in that? And where is circumcision in that? And where is any of the rituals of the church in that? You notice Paul didn't list them. When the Philippian jailer said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? Oh, you've got to do this sacrament and this sacrament and this good. He didn't say that. He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's the thing we've got to think of. For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so Christ alone, Scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone. My hope is built on nothing less, nothing less, or nothing else, we might say, than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but 
wholly lean on Jesus' name. You see what I mean? And that's a great song, isn't it? So, number two, walking in the Spirit is to enjoy the result of salvation. What happens when I get saved? Well, grace and mercy be upon them. The moment you were saved, something happened. You were no longer hostile toward God. There was no longer a state of war between you and Him. You became part of the family. He came to indwell you by the Holy Spirit. Your sins were washed away, cast as far as the east is from the west, and He remembers them no more. And all of this is because of Jesus. When the Israelites were in Egypt and the plague was getting ready to come to kill the firstborn, they were told to take a lamb and to take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost of their home, on each side and at the top, making the shape of a cross. Isn't that interesting? And that night they were to trust that the blood of someone, something else, would protect them from the death angel and from the judgment of God. And it did. And in the same way, the blood of Jesus has been shed for us and we trust in the fact that Jesus died for us. He bore the wrath of God and all the anger and judgment that should be ours was put upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have peace with God. No war, no hostility between God and between the believer ever, ever. And we have mercy and that's the constant state that we live in because of complete and total forgiveness and unchanging acceptance from the Father because of Christ. I can never be rejected. You can never be rejected because we are in Christ. That would cause Christ to be rejected. We're in Him. Colossians 2.13 And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you, all trespasses. Now, if you want to enter into the blessing of being forgiven, you've got to go 1 John 1, 9, confess your sin unto the Lord, or you live under His chastisement. But as soon as you confess that, then you're able to live under the blessings of forgiveness. But your sins have all been paid for by Christ on the cross for you 2,000 years ago. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Now notice that Beloved is capitalized. Why? Because that's speaking of Christ. You are accepted because you're in Christ and because Christ is in you. And you cannot be rejected because Christ is not going to be rejected. And when you go to heaven, you will be as welcomed as Christ was when He ascended into heaven. How can that be since I'm such an unperfect, imperfect person? Because Christ is your perfection. And He lived His life and He died His death and He rose from the dead for you. That's why Paul says all the glory and all the praise and all the focus goes on Him and not us. Because we could never attain that. We could never enter into heaven on our own. We could never be acceptable to God. And so God did it Himself and He did it for us. What a wonderful Wonderful God He is. Number three, walking in the Spirit reveals the true people of God. A lot of people claim to be the people of God. Oh yes, I know God, oh yes. But you can't see it in their attitude. 
You can't see it in their mindset. You can't see it in their actions. You can't see it in their reactions to things. But Paul seems to indicate that the true people of God, something's going to happen that others can see. Something's going to happen that is going to make a difference in their life and on the world that they live in. And he talks about, and upon the Israel of God. Now we all know there's an Israel. And we all know that there are Israelis and there are Jews. Well, there have been ever since Abraham, right? But Paul makes a distinction, and upon the Israel of God. The true Israel. Those who are truly Jews and truly the seed of Abraham. The characteristic of Abraham was this. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So what should I look like if I'm a person of God? If I am the Israel of God or if a Jew gets saved, if they are of the Israel of God, what's the characteristic? Circumcision? No. Sorry. It's belief. It's faith. Faith in God. And we ought to be known for our faith. Now our faith may not be everything it should be. Mine certainly isn't. It's not always a mature faith. It's not always a complete faith. I used to have a thing that I would do with uh, our daughter Chelsea when she was little. That I would uh, take her and uh, I would throw her up in the air. And I would catch her by her ankles and then swing her down between my legs flip her back up, and she would flip over, and I'd catch her under her arms, okay? Now, the first time I did that, she wasn't just extremely sure about it, and then she started liking it. And when she was a little girl, she used to, uh, and when I was trying to help her, I would say, hey, you got to trust me. Trust Daddy. It's going to be okay. And after she found out she liked that little thing, she would come up and say, Daddy, I want to trust you. Daddy, I want to trust you. You see what I'm getting at with all of this? That ought to be the mark of a child of God. We trust our Father no matter what we're going through, no matter how, what the hardships, no matter what the valley, no matter how uh, severe the storm, whatever it may be, we trust our Father. That ought to be the mark of the child of God. That ought to be what others can see in us is that we are walking with God. Now our faith is not always everything it should be, but it ought to be there. We're the Israel of God. Now, uh, just to clarify, there are three types of Jews. There are the religious Jews, and they go, you know, back in Paul's day would go to the temple, and they would do all of that type of stuff. And then there are racial Jews, those people that just have Abraham's DNA in them. And then there are the regenerated Jews, and all of us together, Jew and Gentile, that have put our trust in Christ, we are brought together as the people of God and we have the blessing of Abraham on our lives just as if we really were an Israeli. Romans chapter 11 verse 16, uh, pardon me, in Romans chapter 11 it says that we have been grafted in where the Jews are. We Gentiles are grafted into all of that so we are somehow included in all of that. We are the Israel of God, truly born again people is what that means. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first. So it doesn't mean that people quit being Jews. They're still Jews racially. 
and also to the Greek. That's the Gentile. So we're all brought together and we're grafted into the promises of God given to the people of God in a spiritual sense, as it says in Romans chapter 11. And number four, walking in the Spirit pays the price and enjoys the blessing of Jesus. Look at verse 17. From now on, let no one trouble me. Well, you know, Paul's life was nothing but trouble, was it? And it wasn't trouble just for his sake. It wasn't that Paul was a jerk or anything like that. People loved the Apostle Paul and he was a very loving man. But he told the truth. And he told the truth about who's lost and who's saved. How do I get right with God? And he told the truth about how we were supposed to live. And some people didn't like that. That bothered them. And they troubled him for that. The Judaizers constantly followed Paul everywhere he would go and would stir up trouble among the Jews in the synagogue and they would come after Paul and persecute him. But Paul was willing to do that. In fact, he told Timothy, I suffer all things for the sake of the elect. Isn't that amazing? Let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. You know what he means by marks? Scars. Paul had been beaten. Paul had been shipwrecked. Paul had been stoned and left for dead. It took his toll on his body. And you could see the marks. You could see the scars of those things. And they were done not so that Paul could stone me so I can go to heaven. That's not the gospel. That's not grace. Let me suffer and be beaten and be imprisoned and shipwrecked so I can go to heaven. That's not why Paul went to heaven. He went to heaven because he loved Jesus. He went to heaven because he had trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord as the full payment for his sin. See the way I worded that? That's important. And he said, and because of my belief in Jesus, I, I've got the scars to show that I'm real. I've got the scars to show this was not just a show. This was not just temporary. This was not fake. This was not a performance. This was not put on. This is real. And I've got the marks to prove it. That, that is so amazing. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Now, brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. You know, it is so easy even after salvations, to start, to start thinking that our performance, that our actions, that our works are what make us pleasing and commendable to God. And Paul would remind, it, no, it, remind us, no, it's grace and grace alone. It's the work of Christ and only Christ that makes us acceptable to God. And that gives us peace in our soul. Because when it's based upon works, well, did I do the right thing? Did I do the right thing at the right time? Did I do the right thing in the right time in the right amount? Because I always could have done more and I always could have done it better. And so there's that insecurity until we realize that our hope, our trust, our faith, and our relationship with God is based upon what Jesus did. I used to uh, agonize about my salvation. And you know what it was about? I couldn't remember what I prayed. And I was afraid maybe I left something out. Maybe I didn't emphasize something. I read a book by Arthur Pink on repentance one time, and then it just ate me alive because I didn't remember saying the word repent. 
whenever I prayed for salvation. What was I doing? Putting it all back on me. Now, if I can pray the perfect prayer with the perfect words and all of that, then I'll, I'll get into heaven. That's nowhere found in the Bible, folks. Our hope is built on nothing less, as we said earlier, than Jesus' blood, His death, and His righteousness. He is the righteous sacrifice for our sins, forgiving us of our sins. And so, you know what? Even as a believer today, I need that. Because there are those times when the enemy accuses me and I feel the condemnation that comes from all of that. Where do I go to find relief? Where do I go to find solace? I go to the Lord. I go to the Word. And I find out that Jesus has paid for my sin. And I find out that He, I'm not perfect. I couldn't do anything. I can't pray the perfect prayer. I can't do the perfect works. I can't get any of that right. Well, He did it for me. Now, that's not so I could just sit back and say, well, I don't care about anything. It's just so it takes the pressure off. All I have to do is obey Him. All I have to do to defeat sin, Paul put it this way, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, when are we going to really trust that and really believe that? That's pretty simple. It's not easy, but it's pretty simple, isn't it? And we find that that's the way it is so often in the Lord. It's a matter of faith. As one person said, quit trying and start trusting and rest in the Lord Jesus Christ and just do what the Word of God tells you to do and He'll give you the grace and the peace and the power to do it. People may not appreciate it, but God will give you the grace in your spirit of knowing that you please God and you're acceptable to Him. And when you die, you'll be absent from the body and present with the Lord and you will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Boy, that's going to be an amazing and wonderful day. But that doesn't come because of what we do. That comes because of what Christ does. And then we are rewarded. Can you imagine this? He not only saves us, gives us his spirit. Then the things that we do for his glory, he rewards us when we get to heaven. And we'll have something to lay at his feet at the judgment seat of Christ. So all this and heaven too. No wonder Paul was excited to write this book and no wonder that Paul emphasized it's grace, it's grace, it's grace. It's the gospel. It was what was done for you, not what was done by you. What was done for you on the cross. Over and over and over and over and over he mentions that so that we can end up by saying the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That's what we really want. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your patience as we've gone through this wonderful book. And may the Lord enrich your life and bless you. And may you experience the grace of God over and over and over because as the scripture says, He giveth more grace. And boy, do we ever need it. God bless you. Thank you for your time. And uh, I pray this has been a blessing to you.